0: Now listening to the Charity Church podcast. Man, isn't that great? Isn't it great? That's the first time I've ever done a sermon introduction with a baby dedication, but it just was so fitting. So fitting. So I ask you this question: Does your manner of life contribute to the mission of your life? And that's what that is. What Samson's parents were praying for him that his manner of life would contribute. To his mission in life because he had a mission. He had a mission as we'll see today, but his manner of life was going to either help or hinder that mission that God wanted to fulfill through him. In Judges chapter 13, verse four, therefore be careful. This is what the Lord, that the messenger of the Lord told his mother, said, therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, and the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. This was going to be his manner of life. The angel of the Lord was telling this mother that as you are even holding this baby in your womb, I want you to have some standards upon your life so that when this baby is born and we put some standards upon his life, that your manner of life and his manner of life does not hinder his mission in life. And this was going to be his manner of life, this Nazarite unto God. There were only a few that actually took what we call the Nazarite vow. He was one of them. Samuel was one of them. Some believe that actually Paul referenced the Nazarite vow in his life, and some believe that John the Baptist was another who had a Nazarite vow. So they were, they were set apart for specific purpose that God wanted to use them to fulfill. And here's what's gonna be his mission. He shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. This was his mission in life. His manner was to abstain from certain things. His mission was to save Israel. And so today, I want us to look at the life of Samson. You'll find him in Judges chapters 13 through 16. If you wanna read the full story, we're just gonna pull some excerpts out and give you an overview. But it's a fascinating story of how one man who God had from the time that he was conceived had set him apart to accomplish his purpose. But throughout Samson's life, he did not always lean into and obey the manner of life that God had laid out for him. But in the end, God still fulfilled the mission that he had laid out for him. So does your manner of life contribute to the mission of your life? And does Does how your life contribute, how you live your life, contribute to why you live? Do those things go hand in hand? Are those things working together? Now, a Nazirite, as I said earlier, this was his how. This was going to be how he fulfilled his mission in life. There were certain things that a Nazirite had to do. Number one, they had to abstain from wine or strong drink. A lot of reason is, is because those things would alter someone's logic, It alters the way someone thinks. And so a person who is set apart to be used by God needed to always be alert and always needed to be on his best. And so one of the vows that he had to take was to abstain from wine or strong drink. Another one was to abstain from cutting his hair. This would set him apart. This would be like when somebody would look at him, they would know there's something different about Samson. There's something different. There's something set apart about him. And then he couldn't corrupt himself by touching any corpse of any kind. Now, if you look at the life of Samson, he was an incredible man. He was the Popeye of his days, right? Anybody ever watch watch Popeye the Sailor Man? You know, he had to drink the spinach. Samson just drank the Holy Spirit, okay? And the Spirit of God would come upon him to fulfill certain things at certain times in his life. And some of those things was, this wasn't the Holy Spirit, but whenever Samson was born, he was an Israelite, And they were born under the rule of the Philistines, who was a corrupt group. It was a nation that worshiped pagan gods. And Israelites were not supposed to marry Philistines. It was a no-no. It was a way that God was showing that the Israelites were even set apart. It was was a foreshadowing of what Christians are. And so one of the things that they couldn't do was marry into that. So Samson, when he gets old enough to notice the opposite sex, he finds a wife among the Philistines. And his parents, knowing his manner of life and knowing his mission in life, tried to get him not to marry this Philistine woman. But you know what he did? He did it anyway. He did it anyway. And as a result, um, he, he goes down there to find this lady and his parents are with him and a lion comes out to try to attack him. And we learn in the word of God that, that, that Samson, being strong like he was, he rips this lion apart just like someone would a baby goat. And that sounds awful, wouldn't it, that somebody would do that to a baby goat? But that's the comparison. He rips this lion apart, and they go down. He takes his wife, and on the way back, this lion that he had killed, a bee, a bunch of bees had made a hive inside it. And so Samson goes to this beehive in the carcass of a lion, and he pulls out some of the honey, and he eats it. And he gives some to his parents as well. So there he's broken this part of his Nazarite vow already. And then as a result, later on, he kills 30 Philistines. He kills 30 Philistines. And when he does that, the Philistines get mad. They go out and they kill his wife and her family. So he really is infuriated now. And he goes out and he picks up the jawbone of a donkey, the carcass a jawbone of a donkey, and he kill actually before that, he ties all these foxtails together, he gets 300 of them, ties their tails together, catches them on fire, and sends them out to burn all the hay fields of all the Philistines. And then the Philistines come after him, he picks up the jawbone of a donkey, and he kills 1,000 Philistines with his bare hands using this jawbone of a donkey, Well, eventually he makes his way down to Gaza and he sees a prostitute and he has a relationship with her. He eventually meets up with a lady by the name of Delilah. You've heard the story of Samson and Delilah. Uh, And and as he gets to know Delilah, the Philistines want to know what's his source of strength. How can he do all of these wonderful things that he does and all these, you know, kill a lion and kill 30 Philistines and kills a thousand Philistines and ties all these foxtails together. How does he do that? What's the source of his strength? So Delilah, she tries to seduce him and get the answer. And he starts giving her little riddles and things, and she can't figure it out. And finally, she, she just pours it on. She says, you just, you're just you making me look like a fool in front of my people. You won't tell me uh, what the real source of your strength is. And eventually, he comes clean, and he says, it's my hair. That the, the length of his hair is what gives him his strength. So when she has him asleep, they come in, cut his hair, and these Philistines overtake him. And they gouge out his eyes, and they put him in the mill uh, grinding grain like an animal, and so as he's going through there, he's he's doing this, and finally they want to make a spectacle of this this Samson, this strong man, this this um, Popeye of his day, if you will, and they bring him out to Dagon's temple, and what they want to do is they want to put him on display with gouged out eyes, and as he comes out, there's. The, the temple is full of people, packed to the brim. It's so full, and so many people want to see this strong man go down that there's 3,000 people gathered on the rooftop of the temple. And in Judges chapter 16, verse 28, as the story of Samson came to an end, it says, then Samson called out to the Lord, and he said this, O Lord God, please remember me. And please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. So, even in the end, Samson, fulfilling this mission that God had for him, he still is trying to get revenge with the Philistines, but he does pray, Remember me and strengthen me. Remember me and strengthen me. This man whose life was from the very beginning was set apart as a, as a, a manner of life that was unlike any other, for a mission in life that was unlike any other, but he squandered it in so many ways by pride, by getting involved in with, with women that he shouldn't have been involved with, by getting into these sexual temptations, by by touching the unclean garden, by just disobeying God in so many ways, but still in the end, God was not done with him. He still fulfilled his mission that God had placed upon his life. And one of the things that I understand about Samson is Samson had a huge purpose for his life. His purpose was enormous. I mean, the Philistines had been in captivity for 40 years under the Philistines, the, 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 the Israelites. They had been in captivity 40 years. And, and Samson had this huge purpose for his life. He was actually the final judge of Israel. The final one, Samuel comes along and he's kind of a judge and a prophet all in one, but Samson was the last one that we see as the judge of Israel. And for a long time, that's how um, the the Israelites were were led, was through judges. But they wanted to be like all the other nations and they wanted a king, so Samson is the last one of these. But he had a huge purpose and his purpose was to deliver his people out from under the hand and the rule of the Philistines. And here's what it says, because you have a purpose, therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink. This was this Nazarite vow and eat nothing unclean for behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Parents, even for us, as we talked to Randy and Taylor just a few moments ago, but we should always look after the manner of life for our kids. Pay attention to what your kids are doing because these days they can can get caught up in things at such an early age electronics and and the internet, these phones that they get too early that have no security on them and they're just doing whatever without that you looking, you've got to be careful as parents that you're making sure that your kid's manner of life is being guided and directed by you. You can't be a binge-watching Netflix parent and expect your kids to raise themselves. You've got to pay attention and look after their manner of life so that the manner of life that they live does not hinder the mission in life that they have. And this is what his mom and dad had to do. That's what his mom specifically had to live by these standards. No razor shall come upon his head for the child shall be this Nazarite, this set apart, which is what you and I are as Christians. We are set apart to be used by God. And so as a part of, of, of God's people, we may not take this Nazarite vow, but we need to abstain from certain things so that we can always be readily used by God in any moment in our lives. And so he has this Nazarite vow to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. This was going to be his mission in life to save the Israelites from the hand of of the Philistines. So we look back and we think, man, what a great opportunity he had. What a great opportunity Samson had to be this man used by God to deliver God's people from the evil pagan Philistines. To which I say, God has a purpose and a plan for our lives as well. And here's how Paul worded it in Ephesians chapter two. He says, for we are his workmanship We are the the craftsmen. We are the, the workmanship of God. You are created by God in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works. The good works, not for evil works, not for things that would not set us apart, as being able to be used by God. He said, so we're his workmanship created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This manner of life that we live should be such that we can be tools and instruments in the hand of God through Christ Jesus working in us. So just like Samson who in the Old Testament, we see the spirit of God would come upon people specifically for a short period of time and then we would see the spirit of God would leave them. So they would come, the spirit of God would fill them for a purpose, for an instantaneous moment or for a few moments so that they could fulfill what it was. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit indwelled every believer at the moment of salvation from that point over, from, from that point on. So when you put your faith and trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you and gives you that power that we'll talk about in just a few moments, but you are his workmanship. You are created by God to do good works that were prepared beforehand for you and me to walk in or have a manner of life that is conducive to being used by God. Here's how Peter wrote it in First Peter, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people for his possession. You're owned by God, you're his possession, that you may proclaim, here's our our mission, you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God called you, God called me out of a dark place, out of our sin, so that we could display his marvelous light. You have a purpose for this life that God has given you. Nobody who is a follower of Jesus has no purpose. We all have purpose. If you're in Christ, you have a purpose. If you're outside of Christ, he wants you to be in Christ. He wants you to come into a relationship with him so that your life can take on purpose. My question for you is, have you discovered the purpose he has for your life? Have you discovered his purpose for your life? What is it? Have you Prayed to him? Have you sought him through scripture? Have you asked other people around you, what is my purpose? What is the reason God has me here? And he will reveal that to you. Because we know that Samson had this huge purpose for his life, but he had this incredible power on his life. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God working in him, working through him to kill a lion, to do all the things that he did. In chapter 19, it says, And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. And what is the Spirit of God stirring up in you? What is it that God is stirring up in you to fulfill a mission? Man, I'm so excited about some of the things that are going on around here. Our men's group, our men's ministry, God is really, really using them. And it started with some men who had a stirring in their life, a stirring in their heart to reach men and disciple men and to see men grow in their relationship with Christ. And God is doing some incredible things through Sunday morning groups, Friday afternoon groups, Thursday evening groups. So many men, God is stirring in them. And this new foster care ministry that we are launching, God is stirring some hearts up of how we can minister to families who are in foster care, who have kids in their homes, and how we as a church can help them and, and walk with them through these, through these times that they're reaching out. And, 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 and so there's so many things God is stirring here. Our women's ministry, God is just doing some incredible things. And I'm so excited that the Spirit of God is stirring in some people's heart. But I'm asking you, what is he stirring in your heart? What is he stirring up in you? What is your purpose What is the reason he has you breathing oxygen today? And in Judges chapter 14, verse six, says, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, these are some of the instances where the spirit of God just worked through Samson's life. And although he had nothing in his hand, he tore that lion into pieces as one tears a young goat. He just rips this thing to shreds. Another time in verse 19 of chapter 14, And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him and he went down to Ashkelon and struck down 30 men of the town and took their spoil. If you just read through this whole story of Samson, you're going to see other places where they they bound him up with cords and when the spirit of God came upon him, they melted like flax and he just ripped them off and he went and did what, what he needed to do. The time I told you, he killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey And listen, when we look at his story, we go, man, what kind of power is that? But let me just tell you, you and I have the same Holy Spirit living in us. I'm not going to tell you to go out and try to kill a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey or to rip cords or anything else. But there is a purpose that God has for us that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, Just before Jesus ascended into heaven, here's what he told his followers in Acts chapter one, verse eight, Luke records it this way. He says, but you will receive power. This little word power in the Greek is a little word called dunamis, dunamis. Same word we get our word dynamite from. It means that you and I have this dynamite power living in us, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit of God has come upon you. And here's what he empowers us to do, to be a witness in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. So when you walk out of here and you go into your Jerusalem tomorrow, God wants to use you. God wants to use you to be his witnesses, to be his Nazarites, to be those who have taken a vow that, God, we want to be on mission for you. We want to be used by you. And so when you leave here tomorrow and you go into our Jerusalem, which is our locality that we live in, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness for the things that God has done. But at the same time that we're empowered to do things, there are also powers working against us, right? Listen, there are powers working against our purpose and our potential. Some of those are internal struggles. Some of those things are are just those those besetting sins that we're always battling against. Sometimes it's outward forces that wanna hinder us from from fulfilling the mission and the purpose, the the purpose and the potential that we have. And for Samson and for you and me, it usually falls in one of three categories. I heard this years ago that there's usually, it's, it's usually over power, over passion or over possessions, these are usually one of the three ways that Satan, the enemy, will take us off track and not allow us to live up to our power and poten- or the potential for our mission that we have. It's power, possession. Or, I'm sorry, power, passion, or possessions. For Samson, it was passion. He just could not get over his desire for the opposite sex. He went to the Philistines. He went to the prostitute. He went to Delilah. All of these ladies in some way were were part of his downfall. And it wasn't that it was necessarily the ladies that were all bad, although there were some shady characters there. But he just was giving in to the passions of his heart. And he just lived this, this playboy life. He just went out and did whatever he wanted to do. And he never took his purpose and his calling very seriously. He always wanted to just fulfill the desires of his flesh. And his refusal to defeat the flesh eventually brought him down. It eventually had his wife killed and eventually had him killed as well in Dagon's temple as we'll see in just a few moments. Let me just tell you this. The consequences of sin are very real for Samson. And the consequences of sin are very real for you and me. If we choose to live in a lifestyle of sin, Eventually, the consequences of those sins catch up with us. At some point along the way, and I could tell you story after story after story in my own life and in the lives of others where our consequences of our sin do catch up. I don't care how many times we ask God to forgive us. The consequences of sin are real, and they will catch up with us. And the desire for the Philistine woman that he had resulted in her being killed. His desire for Delilah ended up costing him his life, his consequences were real, and your consequences for your sin are going to be real as well. Somewhere along the way, you're going to pay the price for sin. Sin does not come without a payday. So I'm just telling you, what kind of manner of life are you living, and is it hindering your mission in life? So at the end of Samson's life, he comes to the end, and he says, as he's, as he's bound, and he's, his eyes are gouged out, and he said to the young man, who held him by the hand, let me fill the pillars on which the house rests that I may lean against them. I mean, he's making it sound like he's really tired. He's making it sound like he just needs to lean up against a post. And so his eyes are gouged out. He don't know where the, the pillars are. But there's 3,000 people on the roof in a packed house. And Samson goes up there and he says, just let me lean myself upon the pillars of the house. And this temple had all of these people in it. And in this last moment, in these last moments of Samson's life, he acknowledged the sovereignty of God. And he also acknowledged that God still had a purpose that he needed to fulfill in his life. So in the end, Samson lives up to the purpose. And he called out to the Lord and he said this, oh Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, oh God. He cries out in the last moments of his life and he says, please strengthen me one more time. Please strengthen me one more time. Remember me and strengthen me. This is the same prayer that we read somewhere else, right? In the New Testament. The same prayer. Remember me that the thief on the cross in the last moments of his life, he prayed this to Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. This is a deathbed confession, basically. This is a deathbed, remember me. And no matter how he had lived his life all these years as a thief, no matter how much Samson had squandered his mission and his purpose, in the end, they said, remember me, remember me. And Samson said, strengthen me for the purpose that you have brought me here for. And Samson accomplished in his death what he never accomplished in his lifetime because God wasn't done with him. To which I would say to you, God's not done with you either. I don't care what your past looks like. God is a God of comebacks. God loves to look and put your life on display to show the power of forgiveness, the power of restoration, the power of deliverance. And he is not done with you yet. Remember this, it's not too late. It's not too late for you to cry out to God and say, God, remember me and strengthen me and bring me to a place where I can be repentant and used by you. It's never too late. You are not too far gone. And when you look around this room, I can tell you there are some people whose lives look like they were too far gone, but God wasn't done writing the story you've not strayed too far look in the new testament the story of the prodigal son who squandered all of his dad's inheritance he went out and he was living like a, just in the world just fulfilling every desire he had but he lost it all his head was in a pig trough and he remembered that his dad he remembered his loving father and he said it'd be better for me to be a servant in my father's house, to be a king in the world. And he went running back to his father who had open arms waiting on him. You've never strayed too far from the loving arms of God. He wants to love you back in, he wants to forgive you. He wants to bring you back in because listen, God is always good and God always remembers us. Listen, Samson was a great example on what Paul wrote about in 2 Corinthians. And I wanna share this with you as we close. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad the past is, God's grace is sufficient. It's enough, it's enough for all the sins that you and I have ever committed, no matter what they were. His grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect In our weaknesses. You picture Samson right there in the middle. His eyes are gouged out, his hair had been cut. The source of his strength that he thought was gone. His hands are on these pillars. And he cries out, remember me and strengthen me. In my weakest moment, God, in my weakest moment, I need your strength to overcome and to fulfill the purpose that you have for my life. So Paul is praying, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I boast, he says, all the more gladly in my weaknesses. I'll boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me so that you'll know I'm not doing this in my own power. I'm only doing it through the power and the strength of Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna boast in my weaknesses. I want you to know what my weaknesses are. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses. I can live with my weaknesses. I can live with insults. I'm content in the hardships. I'm content in persecutions and in all these calamities for when I am weak or when I am weak, then I am the strongest. Why is that? Because it's the Holy Spirit. It's Christ, the power of Christ living and working through us. And some of us us in this room are holding on. We're holding on to these things that, that keep us from fulfilling our mission. We're not realizing the potential that God has for us because we're keeping these things hidden. And he's saying, listen, let your weaknesses be known because when your weaknesses are known, then you can be made strong. You can be made strong. So the bottom line today is this, your life has purpose and God has given you the power to fulfill it. You are not too far gone. God is not done with you yet. If you still have breath in your lungs, God is not done. Done. I'm gonna let you take a picture of that. What God, what gets in the way of God's fulfilling his purpose and plan for your life? What's getting in the way? What are the things? Is it power? Is it passion? Is it possessions? What's keeping you from being all in with God? What is it that's hindering you from that? How did Samson gradually allow temptation to take him down and out? And do you see your temptations gradually taking you down and out? And in what ways does the enemy use that temptation to take us down the wrong path? I mean, if you can see the future, how is, how is Satan leading you into temptation that may take you out? And be aware of that. And finally, what does this story about Samson reveal about God's mercy and His grace in spite of our faults? And I am so thankful for the grace of God, are you not? I'm so thankful for the grace of God that no matter what we've done, His grace is sufficient and He is not done with you yet. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, like Lindsay did and like Aniston did, then I wanna encourage you today, meet us at the altar today. We would love to pray with you and share with you how you can have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. But if you're a follower of Christ and you're not realizing what your purpose and the mission in your life is, Hey, get on your face before God and discover it. And do not let the temptations, do not let the enemy drown out the purpose and the plan God has for your life. He's not done with you yet. Let's stand together. Our heavenly father, so thankful for your grace. And Lord, today, it's my prayer that wherever we are, that we will live in the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and working through us to accomplish all that you want to do through our lives. I pray today that many people will step into that purpose. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.